Welcome back to There Are Three of Me. I'm Gabrielle Lawson most of the time, but occasionally I'm Philippe de Lamatroc. And I have been in the past Ina Coriel. Who knows, she may write again. We're the same person, <laughs> but we write different things. Um, Gabrielle writes mostly TV fan fiction. Now, Gabrielle started in Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but she has hit uh, other uh, TV shows as well throughout her time. And Philippe was born through a TV show, but with a story that was so not Gabrielle. So I created Philippe to kind of hide. But after uh, my Star Trek Enterprise story, uh, Alien Us, was well received, I fessed up to being Philippe de Lamatroc. And now Philippe de Lamatroc gets to continue um, the that particular storyline of Star Trek Enterprise, so he's writing the sequel to Alien Us. But he also writes video game fan fiction, which I let Gabrielle be a snob about. So, because <laughs> back when she started, it was ridiculous to write fan fiction over video games, but now video games have really good stories, and where there are really good stories, fan fiction just thrives. So, and then Ina Coriel was uh, just Lord of the Rings. It was just too fun not to find an elvish name, and I like Ina Coriel. But anyway, what I wanted to talk to you today about, I hit on briefly in the beginning of my podcast, but again, I want to spend more time on it. And today, that's going to be point of view. So sit back, relax, and I'm going to gather my thoughts on point of view. All right, as I said back in the beginning of this podcast, there are a couple different ways to look at point of view. There's the big picture way, which is, is this going to be told in first person, in second person, or in third person? And if third person, will it be limited or omniscient? So we'll spend some time speaking about those. Those are kind of easy, I think. Although it gets kind of murky when you try to think about the limited and the omniscient in the third person. Now, most of the books we read, mainstream books, are going to be in third person limited. That is what we're used to, and so that generally is what most people write in. I write in third person limited almost exclusively. But let's talk about some of those others. First person. I have written only two stories, and they're both quite short, in first person. And I only chose first person that first time because that's how the story came to me. I was seated upon my horse, and then I was seated upon the ground. It came to me as if this man was speaking to me. So I wrote the story as if the man is speaking to the reader. So that is in first person. It is told from the point of view of the narrator. I did this, I did that, I said this. So everything it goes with that I pronoun. Second person is, well, let's talk about first person some more. So first person can be done well. I think I did a pretty good job of it both times. Uh, the second time I did it was a follow-up in a sense or a tie-in to that first first person story, so it stayed first person. Uh, 
it was an older man speaking to his grandson. So it's always the narrator speaking to the reader or speaking to someone else. You're always going to use that I pronoun for the main character. And you cannot stray. So if you're using first person, you cannot switch your scene and go see what somebody else is thinking and be in their head. You can't do that. And you can't see beyond the present. You cannot hint at things that the narrator character wouldn't know. It is limited in that way. But that's okay. If you got the right story for a first-person story, you know, the story that came to me was perfect for a first-person story. One of my commenters said she, it sounded like she was meeting this old ma older man, quite older than I thought he was, but at a pub having a beer and he was, and the, the subject of elves came up and I'm like, that's exactly what I was going for. I could see this character in the corner of a pub somewhere and the, maybe somewhere in Rohan and these people start talking about elves being scary, whatever this and that, and they ask him something about them and he tells his story about seeing Legolas, who he never learned the name of. Legolas during the um, events of the war against Sauron. So that's what it was meant to be and that's how it came out, which is perfect for a first person story. But you know that standard book we read out in the library and in the, in the bookstores is the third person limited because the narrator isn't the character himself. The narrator can hint at things the character doesn't know. So in first person, you can't do that. The character is the narrator. The narrator is the character. It's important to remember that. Now, second person is very rare. I went to all the way through high school, never read a second person story in class. Um, I went through college and read one short story in second person, and I found it disconcerting. Um, and that was with the creative writing minor, okay? They are very rare, and they're very hard to pull off well. Whereas in first person, the narrator is the main character. In second person, the reader is the main character. And that is not easy to pull off because who knows who will be reading it? you've got to kind of convince the reader right there at the beginning that they fit in that story or they can mold themselves in their imagination to be that character. And that is not easy at all. Um, I like this game called um, Zombies Run. It is a fitness game. It is meant for runners, joggers, or walkers. And I don't run. I walk very fast. I can walk four miles an hour or better. And I can sustain it. Um, so I pretend I'm running. Uh, it, it's, it is in some ways a second person story, but it's written as a script, not as a, not as prose, you know? Um, and it's acted by, uh, I just got to plug it. It's, uh, it's acted by BBC actors. So the voice actors are wonderful. They're thoroughly directed. The sound effects are professional. I mean, when the helicopter explodes, you hear the helicopter explodes. I've actually explode. I've ducked with that. I've, I've 
shrieked when I heard a zombie over my shoulder. <laughs> the, the sound effects are really great. And what it is, you plug in your earphones to the phone, you start the app, you start your music player, and your music plays, and it will cut into a story clip. And in that story, you are the main character in a zombie apocalypse. You are Runner 5. And Naomi Alderman is a no award-winning novelist. She started the writing. Now, there's some guest writers and kind of a group writers, but she's still the main writer of the story. And she does a masterful job of making sure that Runner 5 can be anyone. I'm a, well, some would say middle-aged white woman, short, um, not super fit, you know, super fit. I'm not a fantastic runner and all that, but I'm runner five. And there could be, and I'm American, there could be a guy in Sudan, tall, black, super fit runner. He's runner five. It could be a, a queer woman in Seattle. She's runner five. A trans man in Finland. <laughs> He's runner five. It could be anybody that she does it so well. The characters talk to you, but runner five is just, yeah. I, I, there's a word, I've, I've lost it. I get that way sometimes. Fanatically. She's fanatic. Well, she, to me, she's a she because <laughs> I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a cis woman. So she's a she to me because I'm, you know, I'm runner five. She, she's fanatically silent on runs. She will not speak on a run. And of course, every mission is a run. So there are fanfic for, for runner, uh, for zombies run. And that's, you know, often these stories in between the runs. <laughs> um, but Every, every episode has you running for some reason or other, and there's an operator, Sam Yao, generally, who is talking to you through the radio. So these, and sometimes there's people running with you, and they will talk to you as well. And they never, ever mention a gender for Runner 5. They never reveal Runner 5's name. We know that Runner 4 is Jody. We know that, but we do not have a name for Runner 5 because anybody can be Runner 5, right? So it's, it's really masterful. Can you imagine writing, gosh, hundreds of episodes and virtual runs? There's been eight seasons. Some of the seasons were as short as like 32 episodes. Season, six, or season two was 60 episodes, and there's been eight of them. And never has anyone said... Runner 5 put that in her bag. It never happened. Never. You have to be, and, and it never was clunky. I think if I tried to write it, it would be clunky. Runner 5 put that in Runner 5's bag. That's clunky. But Naomi and her writers are never clunky. It's just really well done. But if you think about it, it is a second person story. So it can be done, but it is hard. And when I wrote my... Zombies Run short story. I did not write it in second person. <laughs> I've never, ever written a piece in second person. Okay? It is very rare. 
and very hard to do well, but if you can pull it off, it can be done well. So that brings us to third person. Oh, by the way, since I was plugging Zombies Run, Zombies Run is by six to start. You, it's a free game, and you can play the first, I think, three episodes for free, and then you can unlock one a week, or you can subscribe. Um, oh, now you have to get the VIP. Anyway, you unlock everything, and you can play them, you know, as they come available. Um I won't get into the merits and, you know, the pluses and minuses of the v VIP membership. I did bite the bullet and, and buy it because I just love Zombies Run and didn't want to miss a single story. Um, but others, especially in this pandemic and the, uh, the way the economy is, may make that decision that they just can't and will go with the free version or keep their... I think we could keep our subscriptions which I paid a, I think this, I paid a certain legacy level because depending on when I came into it. So I was only paying $2.99 a month. It's different if you come into it now. But anyway, if you like zombie apocalypse stories, if you find running and walking or jogging boring and you want to be a, the hero of a story, get Zombies Run and in your Play Store. Um, Play Store is Android. Um, I don't remember what the store is called on um, iPhone, but, you know, where you get your apps, you can get Zombies Run. So consider it. Anyway, back to, back to uh, POVs. So first person is definitely more common than second person, but it's still a min minority of stories out there in the world. Third person is by far the most common point of view. But is it limited or is it omniscient? I will tell you this, limited is the most common, but omniscient can be done well. The trick, the, the hang up in third person is that a lot of times, especially with novice writers, they will be in third person limited, but they will try to be omniscient every once in a while. And you can't do that. You have to choose one or the other. Consider, you know, a library book, even a, a, a classic or something. You're probably going to pick. Let, let's talk The Lord of the Rings, okay? That's common. <laughs> a lot of people have read that or The Hobbit. I've got a copy of The Hobbit right over here. So let's take a look at that. I'm just going to pull up a random page. All right. They were a gloomy party that night, and the gloom gathered still deeper on them in the following days. They had crossed the enchanted stream, but beyond it, the path seemed to straggle on just as before, and in the forest they could see no change. Yet if they had known more about it, and considered the meaning of the hunt and the white deer that had appeared on their path, they would have known that they were at last drawing towards the eastern edge, and would soon have come if they could have kept it kept up their courage and their hope to thinner trees and places where sunlight came again. Okay, I know exactly what part that is, but as you can see, the narrator is not a particular character. The, char the narrator knows more than the characters. This particular paragraph 
you probably would have a hard time deciding if it's third uh, limited or omniscient. Let me find a particularly um, character-driven part. Okay. Is there no end to this accursed forest, said Thorin. Somebody must climb a tree and see if he can get his head above the roof and have a look around. The only way is to choose the tallest tree that overhangs the path. Of course, somebody meant Bilbo. They chose him, and be because to be of any use, the climber must get his head above the topmost leaves, and so he must be light enough for the highest and slenderest branches to bear him. Poor Mr. Baggins had never had much practice in climbing trees, but they hoisted him up to the lowest branches of an enormous oak that grew right out of the path, and up he had to go as best he could. He pushed his way through the uh, tangled twigs, and with many a slap in the eye. He was greened and grimed from the old bark of the greater boughs. More than once he slipped and caught himself just in time, and at last, after a dreadful struggle in a difficult place where there seemed to be no convenient branches at all, he got near to the top. All the time he was wondering whether there were spiders in the tree and how he was going to get down again, except by falling. This is Third Person Limited. This is what we're used to. In this, we get right inside Bilbo's head there. We know what he is wondering, for instance. He was wondering whether there were any spiders in the tree and how he was going to get down. We can get right into his head and what he's thinking and feeling. And this can be very powerful. I think that is one of my greatest strengths in my writing, in my stories. I can make you feel that character. I can put that character through so much that it will make your eyes tear, make you bawl, make you feel traumatized by what I've done. And that's what Third Person Limited can do. Gets you real close. Think of it as, you know, when you're filming, a, a, when they're filming an episode, the camera is on a particular character. And in this sense, we're putting that character right down inside their head. We see through their eyes, hear through their ears. We feel with them, think with them. That's how close third person limited can be. And the reason it's called limited is because it's limited to just one character. Now, some people feel that that means they have to stay in only one character's point of view for a whole story. That's where we'll talk more um, about that second aspect of POV. But first, we're going to stick with these big, you know, senses of it. The first person, second person, the two forms of third. So third person limited gets you right down inside that character. Third person omniscient has a narrator that, in a way, is a character. Not one of the characters. He is. He, usually he. I guess that's my... <laughs> Um, automatic acceptance of uh, gender discrimination that we always think of it as he. <laughs> um, but he or she is above the characters telling you this story, the, telling you, the reader, this story. It, an omniscient narrator cannot get quite as deep inside a character as limited can but they can know way more 
and they can move from one character to another in a scene. So they are not limited to one, see? They are, you know, we think of um, people who, think, uh, who, who believe in God thinks of him as omniscient, right? Knows all, that's what omniscient means, knows everything. An omniscient narrator knows everything. And usually when a, a writer uses an omniscient narrator, they're kind of a haughty personality. They know more than those characters. Those characters are kind of naive or below them as an omniscient person, omniscient God would be over characters, right? So it's different. And but if you want to get into like three people's head in the same scene, you've got to go omniscient. And you should probably try and find some stories that are in omniscient so that you can read them and see how other writers have done it. Because omniscient is rare, like second person is rare. Maybe it's, you know, rarity is somewhere between first person and second person, but it's still a, by far a minority of stories would be an omniscient point of view. So find some that do it well and learn from them. I never write an omniscient, so I can't really speak to how to do it well. So my advice is for any of these rarer forms, find some first person stories, read them, see how the writers wrote them, see if you can learn from how they did it. Find a good one or two second person stories if you can, <laughs> they are extremely rare. And decide if that, if that worked for you. Was the writer able to make you feel like the character? Or was it so different from you that you could not identify at all? But if you can find a few good examples, how did they do it? Did they, you know, if they did it well, learn from them and then give your story a try in that second person. Or in this case, omniscient. Ah, I, there was a classic writer that they spoke of in high school that had a story that was in omniscient. But, oh, I graduated high school in 1990. That's a long time ago. And I became kind of anti-classic. Once I read The Grapes of Wrath, and The Great Gatsby, I was anti-classic. I mean, The Grapes, I don't even remember The Great Gatsby, okay? Don't even remember it. And The Grapes of Wrath had no ending. It was a good story, and then it just stopped. No payoff, no... Um, <sighs> no climax, no anti-climax, no... It just stopped. And that annoyed me greatly. But then you'll say, hey, but you like the Tale of Two Cities. I, I kept hearing it on TV like the, like the universe was telling me to read the book. So I read the book. And it has a great beginning. It has a big middle you got to slog through. But the end is fabulous. And a guaranteed cry for me anytime I need it. But anyway, <laughs> that would be my one classic the, the universe got me to read after high school. Um, find an omniscient piece that you think does well and 
see if, see, see if you can figure out what the writer did to make it work. But most of the time you're going to be in limited. So that's going to bring us to the second part of this episode. Okay. I've been listening to writing podcasts and I'm on several fan fiction writers groups on Facebook and this kind of comes up a lot which gave me the idea for this episode. Somebody will ask, you know, I've been trying to stick to one POV but I just feel like I need a scene that goes to somewhere else and how do I do that Um, or something like that. First, third person limited is limited to one character, but it doesn't have to be for the whole story. Okay? Let me reiterate that. You are not stuck in one character for the whole story. Now, I have stories that are in just one POV. They're usually short stories. Um, I've read at least one novel that stayed in one one character's point of view for the whole novel, and that was Aragon um, by Christopher Paolini or something like that. I think in the second book, which we haven't, we started, but we didn't get all the way through yet, um, it goes back, you know, switches points of view. Um, That's okay. Uh, It's not easy to pull off. Think how limited, limited would be in only one character for a whole novel. The nice thing about Limited, it's just like those TV shows. It can go to another scene somewhere else and put that camera in somebody else's head. The hard and fast rule of it is one POV per scene. Not per story, not per chapter, per scene. Okay? If you have a big argument happening and you're in one character and you're like, oh, but I feel like I need to get to that other character for their, that other cutting point they're about to make. You can do that. Technically, it's one big scene as if it was going to be on a TV show, this, this dialogue back and forth, this argument, but in form on the page, you break the scene which is as simple as putting in a blank line. Now on the websites, fanfiction.net and AO3 and even my own site in HTML, it's not so easy to put in that extra line. So I put in a, a, a horizontal line. So just to denote that this is a scene break. That's all, you know, it's the same thing. If you read a book and... There's a little space between paragraphs, and then you see there's, there's more space between these two paragraphs. They've just changed scene. Whether or not they've moved the camera into another place, or they've just stuck it in another head to continue the scene from before. Okay? So, character A is making their points in this debate, and then we switch the scene. We skip a line, go to the next character B as they make their counterpoints. We can do that. Or... A lot of times in Star Trek episodes, you'd have an A story and a B story. So in The Honored, a story I'm writing from DS9, the A story is what's happening with Kira and Bashir on Gidar. But the B story, 
we check back with every once in a while and it's somebody on the station, okay? You can do that. You can move from one planet all the way across space and time to another, an, a, a, a space station orbiting another planet, okay? Or, you know, from one room to the other, one country to another, um, one side of the war to another. You can do that just by changing the scene. That camera goes into somebody else's head, can get just as close, right down in their feelings, thoughts, what they can see, what they can hear, what they can feel. It's all still limited to that one character for that scene. So you can write a very um, complex story from many different points of view and still be unlimited. But that can get kind of unwieldy, honestly. Now in Osvientium, which I read out here in the second season, I had a lot of characters, a lot of characters. And I made a decision that in the camp, there would be only three points of view, if I remember correctly. That's going to be Bashir, surely, because he's the main character. It was sometimes Max Seidel, and it was sometimes the Changeling. We didn't get a point of view from Vladya. We didn't get a point of view from Shimon. We didn't get a point of view from Henri or Piotr, right? wasn't there. We would, on the, on the Defiant, occasionally have a scene from the point of view of Cisco, or from Dax, or from Kira, or from O'Brien. We can do that, again, because one character per scene. So you can have this rich crop of characters moving and carrying this plot. Just remember to keep one POV per scene. If it's a very short story and you don't have any, diff you know, you just have one scene, you're going to be stuck in that one character for that whole story. But, you know, I've got a story, in Immortal is two scenes, one very long one, one shorter one. And the first scene, the longer one, is told from Mary's point of view. In the end, it's told from Legolas's. So you can do that, but if you're in only one scene, you've got only one character's point of view to work with. If you really want to, you know, Immortal probably would have been fine with that one scene, but I felt that that second scene really added a, a, you know, something important to it, and so I put it in there, kind of as a coda to Immortal, and it works. And it's just Legolas's point of view. Arwen is there, but we don't get inside her head. We're only inside Legolas's. In the first scene, Legolas is there. He's definitely part of what's going on, but it's Mary's point of view. We're looking at Legolas through. Okay? So that's the thing about third person limited. And as I said, I've never written omniscient, so it's harder for me to talk about it. Just remember, if you're in limited and you're 
deep inside one character's head in this argument, you can't just pop into the other ones without changing the scene. But it's not hard to change a scene. Just insert a blank line. It's, it's that simple. Um, it doesn't have to move location. You don't have to get the camera out of the room. You just need to space, pop that camera into somebody else's head and go from there. Now, omniscient wouldn't be one of those characters. It'd be that fly on the wall who's actually, you know, a god, <laughs> okay? And it would be able to see in both of them, but not as deeply, not as intimately as limited is. I think of it this way. In limited, we forget there's a narrator at all. If we're really into that story, we're seeing from that character's point of view. We're seeing him or her. We are following along in their actions, their feelings, their thoughts, and we're lost in that story just as if we were watching a movie, right? And, but more because we feel. Um, occasionally the narrator will tell us a little something that that character wouldn't know, but we are in deep with them, okay? Limited can get you into a very deep connection with a character. Omniscient gets you a shallower, a shallower relationship with the characters. That omniscient can go in and read their minds, but it can't be that character. In, in Third Person Limited, that character stands out as being the carrier of the story. In Omniscient, the narrator is the carrier of the story. And the characters are the players. Limited is probably what we're most used to, but I still find it the most powerful point of view that we can have. First person can get us right inside a character, absolutely, because that character is the narrator. But it can't know things that character doesn't know. Whereas third person limited is a little freer than that because there is a narrator, but most of the time that narrator is deep inside that character and occasionally popping up outside them, letting you know that, uh, that something else is out there. At least that's how I write. 98% of the text on the page is going to be deep inside a character. And that 2% is going to be other narration or other exposition. Okay? Most of it's going to be deep. And... Limited gives us that. Imagine how disconcerting it would be to have that deep, deep connection inside that character's head and suddenly we're getting the deep, deep connection inside somebody else's head. It, in the same scene, it, it pops you out of the story. And that's what we don't want to happen to a reader. You'd never want to pop your reader out of the story. You want your reader lost in your story. 
so in your story that they forget they're reading a story <laughs> in a sense. I like to say that a good original character is just a person in a story. If they stick out and makes the reader go, oh, that's an OC, then <laughs> they're not as good. I've had people read Myth and Memory, which is a, a first-person story from the point of view of an original character, say that they don't usually read for original characters, but they loved it. They fell in love with that narrator who didn't have a name, so I jokingly called him Bob. Bob the Rohirrim. Yeah, right? <laughs> um I've had people, you know, get very upset when I killed off one of my um, original characters. It's the same thing. You, you just kind of, you, you want your, care, your readers to just be engrossed in the story. You never want to pop them out. And a point of view shift will pop them out. Okay? Don't pop them out. A change in tense can also pop them out, so you got to be careful about that. Let me see. What else can I say about omniscience? Since I don't write it, I'm, I find it difficult. I very rarely read it. Again, I can think of maybe one story. It was a classic. I don't remember it. <laughs> um, in high school that had that, but it definitely had a haughty kind of know-it-all kind of narrator who thought he was far superior in a sense to all those characters. It definitely did. And it plays well in that, in that way. So if you want that kind of narrator, omniscient just may be the way you go. Um, but it was not one of those characters. When we write third person limited past tense <laughs> well the reader doesn't you know notice after a while that it's past tense they don't notice that it's third person limited they stop thinking about that they're just experiencing along with the character i'll have to do another another episode more into tense i guess cuz tense is kind of important but you want them to be so, so into the story that they stop looking at the format of your words. Not the sound of them. The sound of them helps get them into that story. So you still want to write those sentences, those paragraphs really well. You want your voice to carry through, but then they'll be like having that movie playing in their head and they'll stop seeing he and was it'll be the present action of the story and it's just happening in their head and that's the way you want it to be you want them engrossed you want them lost in that story and then you want to leave them with a cliffhanger at the end of a chapter so they have to wait and they're driven nuts waiting for, that, <laughs> for the resolution of that cliffhanger in the next chapter. You, you want to leave them hanging on. But if you're just starting out, make it easier on yourself. Write what you've read the most of, which is probably 
third person limited, okay? Start with what you're most comfortable in. Then after you feel you've got that down pretty well, experiment with the others. I post in my first story, if it's not one thing, in 1996. I didn't write Myth and Memory till after the millennium, okay? <laughs> when the, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies were out. And it was, you know what, early 2000s? I've written a lot of stories before that in Third Person Limited. It's, I'm very comfortable in it. It comes naturally to me. And my guess is that for a novice, somebody just starting out, or somebody struggling, that Third Person Limited is going to feel like home. Most of the novels you ever ever read are going to be in Third Person Limited. All right? I just listened to an audiobook of the four, fifth book of the Outlander series, The Fiery Cross, over a hundred chapters, third person limited, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, it was good. It, it in some ways broke the, broke the rules I normally think of. There was a lot of everyday life scenes, which mostly those kind of slow a story and pacing and you, and you, and you can lose the character, but you don't really. She, the, the, um, the uh, writer pulled that off. Now, I read part of, I kind of skipped around, in the fourth book. And I do have my problems with um, what Gabaldon wrote in that one. And um, it, it was better in, in five. Um, so since I've said that, and some, if you, anybody listens to this who loves the Outlander books, I guess I have to defend myself. I felt that it played better in the TV series, Roger's Story. I don't feel that it was right after they finally got Roger back from the Mohawk that Jamie was still hostile toward him. Roger very rightly had a huge decision to make to stay 200 years in the past that he's not equipped for, to be with the woman he loves and the child that may not be his. Now, I think the child that may not be his and the woman that he loves things, that was the easier part of the equation. The, I can never go back to my own time was probably a bigger part of it. And it's a huge decision. He was a historian. How is a historian going to be equipped for backwoods life in the 1770s? <laughs> you know, he's not. But also that Claire, who is a doctor, trains as a surgeon. When they get him out of the Mohawk, rides away with Jamie, knowing that he has a very, that Roger has a very infected foot. She never even tries to treat it. What kind of doctor is that? That really made me lose a lot of respect for Claire right there. He rocks around for months on that foot. And then when Roger does come back, I mean, at one point, Jamie puts a knife to his chest. Come on. He's, Jamie has no, no standing to be hostile to Roger after what he did to Roger in my book 
if I'd written it, I'd be like, Jamie would have to swear that he'd never raise a hand to Roger again. I mean, really? You beat him within an inch of his life and had him sold to the Mohawk to be a slave? The Mohawk were part of the Iroquois. I know what they do to, or did to captives. I read books. I studied history. Um, some nasty things. And I'm not anti-Indian, not anti-Native American, but to the, Mo to the Iroquois, if they tortured you, it brought you honor how much you could stand it. So, yeah, it, they, then they were really inventive. I won't get into that here, but that was my beef with chapter four, and I came off not liking Jamie at all. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that. So I don't think I'm as much a fan of the books as I am the show. Anywho, that's a tangent. But the whole book was in, you know, both books, I'm guessing the whole series is in first person limit, or excuse me, third person limited, because that is what we're all used to. That is... And when I say by far, I'm talking, I don't know the actual percentages, but I would, probably wouldn't be too far off if I said 95% of books out, novels out there and short stories are in third person limited. It is beyond <laughs> the majority, okay? It is, it is our bread and butter. It's what we know. But once you've got that down... Experiment with those other things. I have tried first person. I have never tried second. I have never tried third omniscient. Most of the time, I don't feel I need to try third first person. That story came to me that way, told me it had to be that way, and it worked. And when I had a related story, it worked again. But I don't know if I have any other first person stories in me, and I don't think I will ever write a second person or an omniscient just because that would be, that wouldn't be the story that drives it. The first person story did drive it. The story came to me as a first person story. I'd be experimenting. I'd be sitting down going, I need to write a second person story. What kind of story can I write? And that's not the way I write. The plot idea comes to me and then I write the story. And that plot will determine whether it's a drapple, a short story, a vin, uh, vin, uh, vignette, a novella, or a novel. It's, it's just the way it is for me. But I've gone on quite a while. Hopefully you've got these down. Limited, third person limited, maybe has a bad name. In some ways it is limited. It is limited to one character per scene, but in other ways, it is so freeing when you can get that deep inside a character's head and tell that story. It is powerful. Omniscient seems to have all the power, but it can't get deep like that. So not always as powerful as it sounds. 
third, first person is limited by what that one character knows and can experience. Second person, you've got to convince the reader that they are part of that story, that they are the star of that story. Not an easy thing to pull off. Third person limited is probably the easiest one you'll write because that's what you're used to reading if you're a reader. All right. Well, I think I will close this episode and uh, do some other things. Um, well, I can update you on my own writing. A while, um, about a month ago, I would say, I finished a chapter of Finding Home, which is the Star Trek Enterprise sequel to Alien Us. And it took me a while to get back in it, especially as I was listening to the audiobooks of, of those two stories um, by Gabaldon in the Outlander series. Um, I, I picked them because I wanted deeper intel on what I saw on the TV show as related to Roger. So that's why I haven't read six. I haven't read one, two, and three, because I'm not invested in Claire and Jamie. I'm in, invested in Roger. So... Um, that plus uh, trying to get back into studying my TEFL. I'm studying to teach English as a foreign language. Um, I'm hoping that will eventually give me a base um, income so that I can travel and do travel writing and travel blog blogging. Um, I have taught English before, but I wasn't certified, so now I'm getting certified. And I'm hoping to do it online, not in classes overseas, because, you know, I've got a husband and cats and, you know, that sort of thing. I can't just go off for a semester again. Well, I went off for a whole academic year right after college. I, I taught English in the Czech Republic. If, you, if I haven't mentioned it before, <laughs> I fell in love with the Czech Republic. It is a beautiful, beautiful country. And the language is kind of fun. There are words without vowels in the Czech language. That's pretty cool. Anyway, I will hopefully decide on another topic. Um, also set up a time with Valerie to talk with her. Um, it kind of got away with me. I'm going to give it another try. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope that helped you out with point of view. Well, that's it for today. Um, as always, if you'd like to reach out to me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Inhildi, I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I. And you can also email me at Inhildi at gmail.com. If you're more interested in reaching Philippe, um, go with P-D-E-L-A-M-A-T-R-A-Q-U-E at gmail.com. That's P-D-E-L-A-M-A-T-R-A-Q-U-E at gmail.com. And if you really want to talk Lord of the Rings, try me at a-I-N-A-E-C-H-O-I-R-I-E-L at gmail.com. That's iNicordial. Okay? I look forward to hearing from you. I really do. I do not have a big um, leadership audience, but that's okay. I don't have a great microphone or a great sound booth, but that's okay. I decided early on that perfection was the enemy of production in this case, and 
Anchor makes this easy. I'm not seeking patrons because A, I'm a fanfic writer and we don't get profit. Um, Anchor is free. I don't have that ad in there just because they make you have an ad in there. <laughs> but I really do like Anchor. Anchor is free. It has some tools. It can be a little frustrating at times, but I have recorded on my computer with my microphone, but it, it actually, I think, has better sound quality through my phone. Um, so most of the time I record on my phone. It's easy. It um, is distributable through Spotify, through Google Podcasts, um, as well as Anchor itself. So, and you can start earning money right away, no matter how few readers or listeners you have. I have earned a whole $2 and some change <laughs> because I don't have a big readership listening to my anchor blurb. Okay. But that's okay. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the writing. I'm in it for the craft and the dignity of fan fiction. A lot of people look down on fan fiction. Yeah, there's some terrible fan fiction out there, but the good stuff is really good writing. It's, I like the term derivative literature because the stuff that cares about the craft, you know, where you have a writer who cares about the craft, who writes a really good, well-written story, that's derivative literature the teenage writer just throwing something up there. That's the stereotypical fan fiction. And if I can, through this podcast, help even one writer become a better writer of fan fiction, or profic for that matter, then that's fine by me. The thing I believe is that while fan fiction and pro fiction are different, the craft is the same. Good writing is important to good profic and to good fanfic, okay? The better you know how to write well, the better your original story will be or the better your fan fiction stories will be. It's the same skill. And I hope that whichever one you write, or if you do both, there are writers, profic writers, who also write fan fiction. They do have, and it is out there. Um, I hope that you'll try to write it well. I love to read a good, well-written story. I love to write a good, well-written story. So, get writing. If you have questions, if you have ideas on topics I could talk about, email me at one of those email addresses. Most likely in Hyaldi. Um, that's Gabrielle. She's the most prolific. Okay? She's, <laughs> she's written the most. Um, it's easy to just remember one instead of trying to remember three of those addresses. Just remember I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I -I at gmail.com. If you want 
to hear about different archives to post to. I can tell you about the ones I use. I can't tell you about the ones I don't use. If you want me to talk about dialogue more deeply than listen to your characters write what they say, <laughs> you know, let me know. If you want me to explain that whole listen to your characters write what they say esoteric advice, let me know. And maybe we'll do a whole um, episode about it like I've done for length and now for POV. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Until next time, keep writing. Bye.